If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Jace Tingler, what are you doing, buddy? Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Thursday, August 26th. The whole gang is here. Frank Stample joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the podcast, Josiah Gray versus Edward Cabrera. Pretty fun matchup there. We have our first pitcher to 200 strikeouts. Hitter moves you might want to make. I have some random trivia for the guys. Team name Thursday. But first, let's start with it. Is Blake Snell back? Pitching into the eighth inning for reasons I cannot understand. That's why we started with Jace Tingler. Um, he was great through seven, and then they leave him out there for the eighth. The final line for Blake Snell, seven and two-thirds, three hits, one run, 10 strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes on 122 pitches. He was up over 100 pitches through seven, and then they brought him back out for the eighth. He gives up a game-tying solo home run to Will Smith. But overall, Blake Snell has been much better. His last five starts, he's got a 2.16 ERA, 44 strikeouts to just 10 walks, over 29 and two-thirds innings pitched. Scott, is Blake Snell back? He's been great. He's been great. You gave the numbers from his last five starts already? I gave the ERA and the strikeout uh-huh. to walk ratio. If you have whip, you could certainly tell us oh, that. Oh, well, the whip is .98. That's pretty good. And uh, the swinging strike rate is 15.3. Yeah, I mean, he's he's... Wow. This has been a really impressive stretch for him. You know, three of the five starts went less than six innings, which is always a problem for him and a problem in fantasy, of course. There does appear to be a change. This this five-start stretch, it's 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 been the month of August, basically. And one thing I've noticed is he really seems to have simplified his his pitch selection, mostly mm-hmm. going fastball slider now. He threw just eight curveballs in this. 122 pitch start against the Dodgers and no changeups at all. Um, and that's and, been a trend. The changeup has basically disappeared. He's thrown four of them in the month of August. And yeah, that was um, look- that that was uh, Matt Harvey, Harvey Dent, Bruce Wayne, Chris Towers here on the podcast. <laughs> it makes sense. At I'm least looking- I'm not wearing hockey pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the numbers against these pitches for Snell this year on the changeup he's given up a 429 batting average and a 595 slugging percentage that's according to brooksbaseball.net so you can understand why he might not want to throw that pitch anymore Blake Snell um and clearly the slider is his best pitch so he's just he's kind of gone with the the trick, just lean into your strengths, throw your best pitches more, your worst pitches less, and it's really working for him because the stuff is good. The stuff is good, and maybe he was just trying to do too much with too many different pitches. You know, I'm I'm, I'm hopeful here. I'm hopeful he's figured something out. Cautiously optimistic on Blake's now. Obviously, for most of the season, the command was completely out of whack. Could have been, you know, trying to do too much, as you mentioned there, Scott. Chris, would you look to start him next week back in your lineup versus the Houston Astros at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, yeah, especially in a points league where a blow-up won't necessarily kill your ratios. 
You know, it's it's so hard to make sense of this kind of change for Blake Snell because, okay, the last five starts, he's looked like the very good version of Blake Snell we saw in 2018 and, and you know, for stretches in 2019 and 2020. He never pitched like this before. It's not like he's like going back to basics. You know, he's never been a fastball slider guy. His changeup has been his second pitch for most of his career. And over the last handful of seasons, it had been more the curveball. The slider's actually really been third or fourth for most of his career. So it's not like we can look back and say, ah, yes, this is what he did in 2018 when he won a Cy Young Award. That's why this is working. It's very much a different approach. How sustainable that is, you know, we've seen guys like Patrick Corbin, uh, you know, turn their careers around by basically going fastball slider. We'll see. The slider has been his best pitch this season in terms of whiff rate, in terms of bad ball results. So, you know, at least for now, it does seem like a pretty good uh, change. Yeah, I was going to say, just go with what's working, right? And if the slider is working for Blake Snell, then I have no issue with it, as long as the results are uh, there for him. So, obviously, next week, Houston Astros, you don't love that matchup, but it is at home where Blake Snell has pitched very, very well this season. The other start is at the Arizona Diamondbacks, where he recently went seven innings and had 13 strikeouts. So, I think, yes, we are getting Blake Snell in across the board in our lineups for next week. Let's talk about some other standouts from Wednesday. Oh, my goodness! Gracious. All right, we are not starting with Chris because the other day he said oh, we God. always start with him. So that means Scott, you're up you know, first. The only problem with that is that like now I'm nervous that Scott's going to take my guy. I hope he does. I hope he does. <laughs> well, we usually talk about it beforehand, and I I thought I said I was going to do Blake Snell as my oh my goodness gracious. I right, guess and now you, I now guess you I can't. So are I you going to take my guy? I can't. No, because I, I know was who you're take doing. Free space on the board. <laughs> I know who you're doing. I'm going to take. Uh, I'm going to take Brendan Rodgers. I'm going to take Brendan Rodgers, who had a huge day in a doubleheader. Went four for six, hit a home run. Another road home run, by the way. He keeps hitting them on the road, not at not at home. Uh, hasn't taken advantage of the BABIP inflating environment of Coors Field yet. Uh, let's see now. So that was his that was his eighth home run on the road versus two at home. Yeah, hasn't taken advantage of the BABIP inflating environment of Coors Field yet. His BABIP is very normal, like a like a player who doesn't play half his games at Coors Field. And yet he's batting, uh, let me see the latest now, he's batting 289 despite that. Despite that. Strikeout rate is good. Um, the power production has been there. And I think I keep hyping him and, and his roster rate remains around 50%. I know he's been in and out of the lineup. Some have been gotten banged up at times. Uh, but he's he's really on the verge of figuring it out. I, I mean, I, I might argue he's figured it out already and we just haven't seen him put together the kind of hot streak that forces everybody to take notice. He's just kind of he's just kind of been steady. Well, I, solid, St- I, steadily solid. I think part of the problem is he did have that hot streak in June. You mm-hmm. know, he had a 927 OPS in the month of June. And he's just yeah, been but it right wasn't really like it wasn't really like right, it wasn't a huge month. It was four home runs, 15 RBI, eight, you eight know, runs scored. Yeah, it's not um, like he had this 35 point week where everybody's the, like, holy I, crap, Brendan Rodgers. I think the problem here. is he's just kind of hovered around an 800 OPS for such a long time. Like, Mm -hmm. it feels like he's been good for a while, like you've said. But every time I look, it's like, oh, he's still, like, every time he has a big game, I'm like, oh, he's still right around, like, 800. I think he's up to 818 after today. And part of the issue is he's not hitting righties well. He's crushing lefties. But despite having a 336 BABIP against righties, he only has a 715 OPS with a 267 average. So He's 52% rostered, as you mentioned. And I was going to bring this up a little bit later on, but let's just talk about it. I have a bunch of players who have been awful, hitters specifically, in the month of August. And there are three second basemen on this list. Jeff McNeil has a 514 OPS. Cesar Hernandez has a 549 OPS. Adam Frazier has a 579 OPS, all three of them below 600 for the month. Scott, would you be okay dropping McNeil, Cesar Hernandez, Adam Frazier for Brendan Rodgers? Oh, yeah. We're talking 
completely different class that Rodgers is in. And uh, Frazier, expectedly, has, has really, really normalized since coming over from the Pirates. Maybe even started a little before that, actually. He looks pretty average now. All right. Chris, you're up. Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's go with Robert Glenn Ray, mm. who I'm going to go ahead and say is in the driver's seat for the American League Cy Young right now, which, boy, if you had told people that coming into the season, they would not have believed you. But he's just <laughs> continuously been amazing. 14 strikeouts and in seven innings today. Uh, his pants keep getting tighter and he keeps pitching better. I looked looked like they were basically painted on today. Uh, Walker Bueller's got to step his game up. Maybe wash them in cold water. Is that how you get things to sh- uh, shrink? 17 whiffs on his slider. He's, I mean, Robbie Ray, the, the, the amazing thing about the transformation that he's made this season is he actually really has, um, you know, like Blake Snell, so totally simpl- simplified his approach to pitching. Um, you know, he's, tonight he threw 99% of, 109 of his 111 pitches were sliders or fastballs. He got 24 swinging strikes with those two pitches, including 17 with the slider. Um, And he's mostly just, you know, I've brought it up a bunch of times, but he's mostly just started aiming for the middle of the zone with the fastball, and it's helped him actually pound the zone. He's got a 6.2% walk rate, which is really, really, that's not just like good for Robbie Ray. That would be good for basically anyone. Yeah, he's been amazing. Obviously, it's been going on long enough that I don't think there's any reason to doubt it. And uh, if you bet, if you put money on Robbie Ray to win the AL Cy Young this year, you might have a, a pretty big ticket coming up. Well, first of all, why would you have ever done that like earlier in the season? But now, I mean, it looks like it would be a pretty damn good bet. And I actually looked this up. He's seven to one to win seven to one to win the AL Cy Young, which is which are the third best odds behind Garrett Cole and Lance Lynn. So you you actually still could get a pretty good price on him. And this was actually awesome. I received this on Twitter from a Twitter handle at Lolar System. They completed the Ray Romano on Wednesday night, which is a Robbie Ray win into a Jordan Romano save. Romano picked up his 13th save of the season, so I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Just like Robbie Ray has been all season long, he's got a 2.72 ERA and a 1.02 whip. Our very own Adam Azer, he was just off by one year. One year early. Last year, one of his bold <laughs> predictions when Robbie Ray was still on the Diamondbacks was that Ray would uh. finish top three in the Cy Young in the National League. And uh, all he needed to do was go to the Blue Jays. Who would have thought, right? The American League gets him back on track. But fantastic season for Robbie Ray. Oh, my goodness gracious for me. And I actually did say the words, oh, my goodness, when I saw this home run. Miguel Sano hit the longest home run of the season, 495 feet. It was his 22nd home run of the year, and over his last 15 games, he's batting 255, five homers in the month of August. Overall, he is, he has a 27% strikeout rate, so that's like pretty manageable for Miguel Sano, actually. He's 54% rostered, six road games next week. I asked you guys about Miguel Sano maybe a week or two ago, and you, know, you guys were lukewarm. I get it. He strikes out a lot. He's very streaky, but it looks like he's kind of going on one of these streaks or getting ready to go on one of these streaks. Are you more interested in Miguel Sano now than you were then? Uh, I wouldn't say more interested. No. I don't know. He's going to hit home runs sometimes. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> if you need them, pick them up. If you don't, don't. It, it's, just... it's always hard to do the like streaky versus just a random uh, outcome versus you know whatever you want to define it as. Like if you if you give Miguel Sano 35 home runs and you say Miguel Sano is going to hit a home run every, I don't know, 12 at-bats or whatever that would be, that's probably way too few. Probably every yeah. like 20 at-bats, something like that. Whatever the number is. And then you just randomly, if you just simulated it randomly and you know, over the course of 600 plate appearances, there would be stretches where he goes... 80, 90, 100 without hitting a home run. And then there would be stretches where he has like 10 and 100. And that that was just if you randomly distribute them. And so I always struggle with like, yes, they're human beings. They're not like a spreadsheet formula uh, that I Googled one time. But 
it I don't know if there's any if there's anything if there's any there there I guess is like is he hot yeah I mean he's he gets hot so sure uh, that's a long lot of long way of saying what Scott already said <laughs> All right. So for Miguel Sano, I will just point out uh, in the month of August, he also has a 13% walk rate. So that does help mitigate some of the strikeouts. If you do play in a points league, if you just want to ride the hot hand, like Carl Santana has been absolutely awful. And if you play in shallower leagues, I I think you could just go with whoever's hot. And and right now, Miguel Sano is and Carlos Santana is not. Let's talk about that fun pitching matchup from Wednesday. And it was Josiah Gray up against Edward Cabrera in his major league debut Goes six and a third, four hits, three runs, three walks, two strikeouts. He only had four swinging strikes on 78 pitches, <laughs> and he cruised through six innings pitch. I believe he was under 60 pitches through six, and then he started the seventh inning with a walk, a fly out, homer, homer, and walk, and then he's pulled from the game after that. So, uh, Chris, I will go to you here. This is Edward Cabrera, one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, and on your Miami Marlins. So what did you see from him in this start? He's 32% rostered. Looks like he is projected for two starts next week. Nothing terribly impressive in this start, to be honest. Um, You know, he threw hard and kind of was able to wiggle his way out of trouble for the most part. They probably left him in a little too long, and he gave up, what, two home runs in the the, the seventh inning? Yep, back-to-back. Yeah. But, like... You know, he averaged 96 miles per hour with the fastball. That's obviously really good. The changeup supposed to be a pretty strong pitch for him. It was his second most used pitch. He only got four swinging strikes on the day on 78 pitches, three with the changeup on 31. So all in all, I think a pretty lackluster debut for Edward Cabrera, but Mm -hmm. it's one start. The scouts, you know, there have been scouts since before last season who have been saying he's the Marlins' best pitching prospect, even ahead of Sixto Sanchez. So, you know, there's definitely deserves more of a look than just this one. Scott, I mentioned 32% rostered. Looks like at home against the Phillies and at the Mets next week. Would that interest you as a two-star pitcher? Yes. Um, it could have been worse. Uh, I, I will say I was having some regrets when he made it through five innings without issuing a walk because I thought the walks were going to be what prevented him from being an impact contributor. To start out, now he ended up with three walks in six and a third innings. So, you know, the final stat line ended up being about what we thought it would be, right? Um, it's just he, for five innings, he looked like, I, I don't know, he, he how many, I don't remember exactly how many pitches he had through five innings. He ended up with only 78 in six and a third. So he was efficient. He was getting a lot of ground balls, which is, you know, that that fastball for as hard as he throws it, it has a lot of sinking action. That makes sense. That's that's going to be a good thing for him going forward. What really concerns me is that the Nationals lineup, not exactly a, a juggernaut right now, and, and they only swung and missed four times. Yeah. And the, for those through those first five innings, I think it was only two times. And... Um, if he's going to have control problems on top of that, I don't know. I'm not, I don't think I'm ready to start him. I don't think I'm ready to use him in that two start week. And I, I still think it's a possibility. He gets sent down after the first of those starts with Trevor Rogers coming back. Yeah. Maybe not. I, I Maybe Lizardo gets sent down instead, but yeah, I saw, I think it was Craig Mish say he probably has three or four starts in the majors is what he'll probably make in addition to this one. So, you know, obviously that wouldn't take him through the end of the season. I don't know whether that's a send him down for a little bit. He hasn't thrown many innings at all this season because um, he's dealt with a lot of injuries and various injuries. And like there was a an infection, I think, or something last season that de- that sidelined him for a long time um, or last year. I guess there wasn't a season for him. But yeah, I would guess he's he's not going to run out the season as a member of the rotation. Yeah, he had 50, no, just over 60 innings pitched in the minors this year. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, not really a lot. So, uh, we'll see if he's around for both of those starts next week. But, again, that's at home against the Phillies and at the Mets for Edward Cabrera. On the other side, Josiah Gray, six innings, two runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. He had 18 swinging strikes on 91 pitches. 13 of those came on the curveball. And I thought this was his most encouraging start yet. 50% ground ball rate for Josiah Gray in this start. He only allowed one home run, 
which has been a huge issue for him. And I was, I wrote last week. The bar is the bar is a little low there. That's true. Yeah, I mean he hasn't he hasn't done much yet, but um, no, no, no. Just with the home runs, I mean, no, he's been very impressive overall. Just the only one home run. Yeah, because I mean, normally he's given up like three home runs per start. Yeah. So I think his fly ball rate coming into this start was, you know, somewhere close to like seventy percent, which is just it's a ridiculous amount. So I thought this yeah. was his best. He's seventy nine percent rostered, so maybe in some shallower leagues. And he is also going up against the Phillies and the Mets. I guess the whole National League East just faces each other next week. I don't know. I don't know what's up with those hmm. matchups. But uh, if he's lying around somewhere, Scott. I mean, obviously, I think we've been banging the drum for Josiah Gray. Hmm. Yep. For for a long while now, and he keeps he keeps uh, backing it up. He keeps doing it. Now this was against the Marlins, so I will point that out. And like, just looking at his minor league track record, he's always going to be a fly ball pitcher. Yeah. The hope is that he continues to miss bats at a rate that yeah it, it won't ruin him. And and you know some some guys that we think of as longtime aces. Justin some Verlander. The, some of the best pitchers in but Justin Verlander yeah. and Max Scherzer are arguably the two best pitchers in the last decade. And yeah. they've always given up a ton of fly balls. Yeah. And so far, Josiah Gray has had a swinging strike rate very similar to theirs. So it it could end up being not much of an issue at all for him. Obviously, that's that's counting on a lot of things to go right, and we're only a seven seven appearances into his major league career, but um I would say the good definitely outweighs the bad up to this point. Yeah, that's exactly what I wrote about Josiah Gray in the Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter, which if you aren't subscribed to, it is free. CBSSports.com slash newsletters. Make sure you sign up for Chris's Fantasy Football Today newsletter as well. But that's exactly what I wrote is that yeah, like the the path for him is there. It's Max Scherzer. It's Justin Verlander. No one's saying he's going to be that good, but if he gets swinging strikes at this level and he limits the walks, he can still give up home runs and, and still be really, really good. Again, that is Josiah Gray. Before we hit news and notes, as always, we thank each and every one of you for your five-star ratings on Apple Podcast. If you do leave one, feel free to drop a question in the review and we'll answer it in the future. We actually have two of those questions right now. This one's from nickname, Grade the Trade, Tim Anderson, Shohei Otani, the pitcher, and Kenley Jansen for Fernando Tatis, Madison Bumgarner, and Josh Rojas does not say what the format is that's a blockbuster it's a big one yeah um it seems it seems about fair i think it's it's fair it's fair oh wait 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 otani just the pitcher right yes oh it's not fair you're getting tatis you're you're giving up right but you're getting potentially i mean mad bum who i don't think has much value at all right i mean you're getting yeah those two are just throw-ins think of i'm thinking of it as Anderson and just the pitching half of Otani for Fernando Tatis, the best player in fantasy. I'd do that. Yeah, but you're also getting a, a top 12 closer. Otani's pitching like a top 30 starting pitcher. It's it's uh, ba- it's basically just a depth dump. It's consolidating depth, but... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, it wouldn't be easy to do in a 15-team league, but I'm assuming it's, it's shallower than that because most people play in leagues shallower than that. So, what yeah. Is, I'll oh, give great. it a, um, I'll give it a B. All right. You know, I, I, I just wanted to go back to the, you know, Josiah Gray, Justin Verlander comps because I wanted to be like, and you know, we don't have to comp him to Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer. There are other pitchers who, have, <laughs> there aren't that many pitchers who've been successful over the last decade with a uh, fly ball rate under, or uh, ground ball rate under 40%. It's actually, after those two guys, it's probably and excuse me, this is not a knock on jo- uh, Josiah Gray. Uh, Danny Duffy, Robbie Ray, and Mike Miner <laughs> uh, in terms of the best pitchers within. Uh, so, you know, and that's over the last decade. There have been individual seasons and stretches that have been different. But, you know, you probably want to get him a little more ground ball heavy than he has been. Definitely. This next APR question is from Crickets. Help! Six by six head to head categories league with innings pitch and OPS. We can keep three players at the end of the year. I am in third place after being in first for most of the season and am trying to decide whether I should hang on to Ronald Acuna and keep him as a first round pick next year or drop him and keep Walker Bueller as a second round pick. My other keepers are Otani in the 16th and Vlad Jr. in the fifth. Am I crazy for wanting to hold on to Acuna? Trevor Rogers as a last round keeper is also. An option. 
I'm assuming that this person needs the roster spot that Ronald Acuna is currently taking up, and that's why they're asking if they should drop him. Well, yeah, because the if it's a possibility, the easy answer is just wait until your keeper deadline and see how Acuna is doing. Because if it sounds like he's going to be on track for opening day, then of course you'd keep him with your first round pick. Um, but he does say we keep we can keep three players at the end of the year. I don't know if I'm re- reading that too precisely. Like they have to decide on October 4th or whatever. Uh, in wow. which case, Aaron, I could see erring on the side of caution and taking Bueller with a second pick because he's probably going to be a first rounder next year. I, I think you can look at it. There's another calculation that I think you need to keep in mind, which is if you drop a player, do they go back into the player pool to be kept? Like, does their value reset? If someone picks up Ronald Acuna as a free agent, do they get to keep him as a free agent value? You know, I, I think that's an important part of it because if yes, then there's no way you can drop him even if you're not keeping sure. him. You can't give someone else. And even if they would keep him for his original price, you still run the risk there of, you know, if he is back, like Scott said, in time for opening day, someone else just got the number one overall player or the number two overall player, um, you know, for free or, you know, at cost, but you don't get that chance unless you're picking first or second. So uh, I would keep that in mind when you're making that kind of drop decision in a, in a keeper league as well. Oh, wait a second. This is stupid. Well, okay. Never, I, never mind. It's I not didn't stupid. think so. Never mind. I I'm like sorry. The question. I, I thought I saw something in the question. <laughs> That made it an easy decision. Never mind. Go ahead. All right, let's move on to news and notes. Trevor Story left the game with a minor leg injury. The Rockies scored 15 runs in their doubleheader. Trevor Story went 0 for 8. And after that performance, he's still actually having an okay August. 267 batting average, 880 OPS. He's having an okay year. 16 homers, 17 steals. 246 batting average overall. I don't know. I have him in my most important league, and it feels like he's been a lot worse than this. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on Trevor's story. <laughs> I can't say that like I have a good explanation for it. Um, but if he leaves Coors Field next year, as it seems almost certain, it's going to be hard to to know how to value him. I think you're probably looking at him dropping from a first round pick to sixth, seventh round. I think in Is that Ro- too much. I think in Roto, he's probably still going to be at least a third or fourth rounder. That I mean, that's just like my early takeaway. But just because he's going to steal so many bases, he could steal more bases if he's out of Coors Field. I guess it depends on the team that he goes to. Yeah. But Nolan Arenado left Coors Field. He's he's still having a very good year. He's just obviously- yeah. He's he's having the year we we're afraid he would have though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't become a total scrub, but he's become just kind of a, just kind of a guy. Yeah. Just kind of, yeah. Kind of a guy who doesn't hit for much average hits for pretty good power and whatever he'll fill out. He's, he's become like Mike Moustakis when Mike Moustakis was good, which that's actually a really good comp. Yeah. Cause like low, lowish strikeout rate for a power hitter, but no batting average. Yeah. And clearly not an early round type hitter. He's going to, Nolan Arenado is like a mid rounder now in all likelihood. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's Trevor Story was never as good a hitter as, as Nolan Arenado is the problem. So it's mm-hmm. like, how much are you paying for steals? Yeah. Does he become a, a 240 hitter, 250? I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe the Mets are optimistic that Jacob deGrom will be ready to make his return from the 60 day IL. By the second half of September, after the MRI that he underwent Wednesday revealed nothing concerning, and I saw that he was also playing catch on Wednesday. Should people hold on to Jacob deGrom if if that's the only hope, second half of September? If, if you plan to be playing still in the second half of September, you should try to hold on, on to him, because obviously there's the potential he's a, a big difference maker for you. It's... He's going to have to thread the needle to do it, but you know, I think for, for that you, kind of impact, you have to wait it out. I think if you're in a point till you drop him, Jack really? Flaherty. Yeah, yeah. I think in a points league, especially like in a roto league, if he gets back and gives you two good weeks, that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, but in a point in a points league, like 
What if he's you, you not want, even you want, you want somebody else to have him for those final two weeks of September? Like that seems you crazy. You gotta to make me. it to the it's final just, two weeks of September. For I know, that to really but happen. it's not like it's not like you you can stick him in an IL spot, stick him in a bench spot. Maybe just you like, can't. You can. You always can. I can't. I would. You have, your bench is full of so many IL players that you would have to start Jacob Degrom. Is that what you're telling me? Um, I mean, I, I can. Yeah, I've got Freddie Peralta, Ian Anderson, Trevor Rogers, Aaron Savale, Chris Paddock on one team. Well, I dropped. And this Chris is a Paddock. roto. Who cares? <laughs> right, I can drop Chris Paddock. There's somebody like, else you can drop. Right, probably. but I'm still going to have to drop someone. Uh, and the chances of you know Jacob Degrom making an impact are at this point pretty slim. Yeah, I'll. I'll it, the chances of. Winning the league are pretty slim. They're better if you have Jacob Degrom. You don't know anything about my team, but you're. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I will agree with both of you and say if you can afford to hold on to him, that you should. But I can see, yeah, I mean, you need to get there. You need to perform in in your head-to-head playoffs. If Jacob Degrom's not there for that, then he's obviously not helping you. Jack Flaherty was placed on the IL with a right shoulder strain. Mike Schilt said Kwang Hyun Kim is a candidate to start on Sunday. Mookie Betts will be activated on Thursday against the Padres. On the other side of that game, you Darvish will make his return. Tristan McKenzie was placed on the IL with right shoulder fatigue, retroactive to August 22nd, which sucks because McKenzie was pitching so well and we've been hyping him up for so long. <laughs> it was just so 2021 that <laughs> that news coming down right then. Oh man, his his velocity's been holding steady deep into the season. What a grand man. Right. Uh, Carlos Rodon will return Thursday and start against the Blue Jays. Would you guys put him back in your lineup? It, say if you, you play in a daily league, his first game back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Blue Jays are scuffling offensively too, so uh, I don't I don't see any problems with that. Alex Bregman made his long-awaited return on Wednesday. He hit sixth in the, in the lineup and went two for five with a double and an RBI. Jesse Winker has yet to resume baseball activities and remains a couple of weeks away from returning from the IL, George Springer will be reevaluated after running the bases again Thursday and could be activated soon, as soon as Friday. Kevin Biggio has a grade one UCL sprain in his left elbow and is considered week to week. Matthew Boyd is penciled in to start Sunday against the Blue Jays. Now, I just talked down the Blue Jays. I don't know if I want to use Matthew Boyd against the Blue Jays. He is 39% rostered. Why would you want to use Matthew Boyd anyway? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We're, we're desperate for pitching <laughs> out here, question. Scott. I don't know. He's 39% rostered. I guess neither of you want him, right? I mean, look, there's there's not a lot of great options out there. Right now. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm currently looking for some pitchers to add and like... Oh, gosh. I'm going to add Kyle Freeland. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll go with Freeland over Boyd. Boyd is, Boyd is Josiah Gray without the elite whiff rate. So he's, you know... Everything we worry about with Josiah Gray without anything to counteract it. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. TJ Anton was placed back on the IL with that forearm strain. Brandon Belt will likely go on the bereavement list on Friday. The Angels placed Reed Detmers on the IL without an injury designation, which means it's likely COVID-related. Noah Syndergaard will begin a rehab assignment at High A Brooklyn on Thursday. And the plan is for him to come back as a relief pitcher. So not really much value there for fantasy. After signing a one-year contract extension, Yadier Molina confirmed that 2022 will be his final season. Chris, is Yadier Molina a Hall of Famer? <laughs> I've... I... And you're frozen. And he's gone. Oh, but... you're, you're frozen, Chris. You might want to you back out. start over. Am yeah. I back? Yeah, back out, come back in. Uh, I'm sorry, you're not going to get to answer your question about Yadier Molina. Chris Archer will start Sunday against the Orioles. He is 20% rostered, but I assume he's in a similar boat as Matthew Boyd right now. So let's see where that goes. Dylan Bundy was placed on the IL with a right shoulder strain and some quick prospect updates. Cardinals top prospect Nolan Gorman is on fire at AAA over his last 18 games. He's batting 358. 427, 612 with four homers and 13 RBI. The Rangers are leaning towards promoting Glenn Otto from AAA to start Friday's game against the Houston Astros. Uh, and between AA and AAA this season, 3.20 ERA, 134 strikeouts, over 95 and two-thirds innings pitched for Glenn Otto. Scott, should he be on our radar in any standard mixed leagues? 
Yeah, I, I would keep an eye on him. He's not a particularly highly regarded prospect. He's kind of a, a late bloomer here at 25. The secondary arsenals made big strides this year. They they, they kind of thought he was going to have to be a reliever because because he hadn't developed enough of an arsenal. Uh, but then he, you know, between between two organizations and two levels this year, he has 12.6K per nine. Now, I will point out his numbers have gotten worse since moving up to AAA, the, the strikeout rate specifically. So, you know, I, I think there's still a lot of reason to be skeptical of Glenn Otto, but you can understand just given his history with the injuries and the, the weird development path, why why he hasn't been able to gain much traction with the prospect towns. And I would, I would be interested in seeing how he performs in the majors. By the way, I want to mention for Nolan Gorman, his strikeout rate since he got hot at AAA, way, way down. I don't have the exact number, but I think it's below 20% since he, he took off at AAA. And something I've noticed with Gorman throughout his climb up the ladder is every time he gets to the new levels, he, a new level, he looks awful. For a stretch, for a stretch, he looks awful. Looks like he can't do anything right anymore, and then suddenly he figures it out. I remember Ronald Acuna took a similar path, and uh, obviously that turned out okay. But if Gorman is not going to be a guy who strikes out twenty five, thirty percent of the time with his power potential, and probably as a second baseman, I mean, he might be, he might be a star, Nolan Gorman. Nice, yeah, for the Cardinals, and the Cardinals could definitely use it too because I mean their lineup has been okay. Paul Goldschmidt double dong on Wednesday. We'll talk about him a little bit later on, but I mean for the most part their lineup has been subpar. So I mean they can use a spark. Probably not going to happen this year, but maybe early on next season. Nolan Gorman, yeah, I could see that happening. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we have our first pitcher to 200 strikeouts. We'll talk about it next here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And that pitcher is... Zach Wheeler becomes the first pitcher to 200 strikeouts up against the Tampa Bay Rays. He goes 8-plus, 10 hits, 7 runs, 5 of those earned, 0 walks, 10 strikeouts. I mean, this start was just all over the place. He did have 18 swinging strikes, and I watched a lot of it. Two unearned runs. Andrew McCutcheon lost the ball on the lights in the fourth inning, which kind of kept... It kind of opened the floodgates for, for Zach Wheeler. And then Wheeler got through... Eight innings with 93 pitches, and Joe Girardi runs him out there for the ninth, which I guess if he's at 93 pitches, okay, you want to save your bullpen, it could make some sense, but this is now two starts in a row where Girardi has left Wheeler in maybe a little bit too long, and Wheeler has fallen apart in that final inning where, you know, in the The wheels came off. The wheels came off. You are correct. He gave up a three-run homer without recording an out in that ninth inning, which really kind of just yeah. skewed the line here. Um, the last nine starts for Zach Wheeler were now up to a 4.49 ERA. But, I mean, we're starting him next week. He's he's at the Nationals and he's at the Marlins. Of course we are, yeah. And um, it's, just, it's just unfortunate Joe Girardi let him come out for that ninth inning because by that point he had given up just three runs. I don't know how many of them were 
Was it just one of them that was earned? One of the three heading into the ninth inning? He ended up giving up seven runs, five earned. Uh, I think I have that right, don't I? Um, yeah, yeah, he gave up seven, run, was, seven runs, five earned, and that was that was only... That was four and two. So four runs, two earned, going into the ninth. Okay. And then it, he the gave up that career is, and homer. We would have thought of it as this awesome start for Zach Wheeler if he'd just come out after eight. Yeah. And so it really changes... You, you got to think of the context and you got to, yeah, I mean, obviously the numbers don't look good during this nine start stretch, but there are a lot of good numbers within the numbers, including the first eight innings of this start. So I wouldn't lose, I want to lose heart if you have Wheeler in fantasy. I wouldn't consider sitting him or anything like that. He was bound to have some regression. He had a 205 ERA before this stretch began. Even now, his ERA is, is less than three. So, you know, stick with him. Stick with him. He's still a good pitcher going through a rough stretch. But there, there's, a, there's a good chance he has a strong September and wins you your league still. It looks like Chris is probably going to bow out here. His, he's having internet issues. But I did ask him on the side if Yadier Molina is a Hall of Famer. And he said, quote, I used to be pretty anti-Yadi for the Hall of Fame. And I definitely don't think he's a first ballot guy. Posey and Maurer were both better at their peaks, for instance, but he's been good to very good for a long time and should get in. So, yeah, I think he's going to get in. Yeah, he will. You know what? What what gets lost a lot of times, particularly among fantasy baseball analysts, because they're all about numbers, right? Is you know, it, it is Hall of Fame. It's not Hall of War. It's not even Hall of Greatness. It's Hall of Fame. And you just look at the hardware Yadier Molina's collected over his career. It's a good 10 point. gold gloves, two World Series championships, uh, nine, I'm sorry, nine gold gloves, 10 All-Star games, two World Series championships, four platinum gloves. Um, you know, and then the stats are at least right there. So, you know, in my opinion, Joe Maurer and, and, and Buster Posey are Hall of Famers too, so it's not even really an issue. But I think, uh, I think for sure Yachty and Molina is going to be. I have two Rockies and two Cubs that I think you might want to add. One of them was Brendan Rodgers. And let's talk about his teammate, Connor Joe, who went two for four with his eighth home run for RBI in that same game as Brendan Rodgers. It was game two of their doubleheader. He is 20% rostered, and the Rockies play seven games next week. Four of them are at home. So I am pretty interested in both Rodgers and Connor Joe for next week. Scott, Connor Joe has first and outfield eligibility at only 20% roster. Yeah, I really like him. I'm curious to see what's going to happen to him when Rymel Tapia comes back because it doesn't seem like... Uh, they might be able to play Joe, if, but they would have to play a not-so-great center fielder, and that's tough to do when, when your outfield's as big as the one in Coors Field is. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see if they, if they decide to do that. Because Joe, you know, specifically having the advantages of Coors Field with his ability to get on base, I mean, he he looks like he could be a real, a real standout in 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 that specific environment with every day at bats. I I, I feel pretty confident saying that. I mean, he was an on base freak in the minors too. And I'll also mention that the Rockies. The last two weeks of the season have especially good matchups. All but one of those last four series are, are at home, and the one that isn't at home is against the Diamondbacks. So they line up well for your, your end-of-season considerations, uh, You know, presuming Joe's around there. But I, I'm thinking like C.J. Crone. I'm thinking Brendan Rodgers, of course. It was, it was fun to see the Rockies lineup do some things on the road today. Joe, Rodgers... Even even Crone hit a home run, and his away splits are pretty awful. Yeah, that actually uh, took me back a little bit. I was like, wait, what? C.J. Crone could hit home runs mm-hmm. on the road? I'd, who would have yeah. th- thunk it? Uh, two Cubs hitters, potentially, to add. Ian Happ, another guy, runs hot and cold. He strikes out quite a bit. He had a sock and a shoe on Wednesday. That's a home run and a steal. Over his last eight games, he has 11 hits, including three homers. He's 30% rostered. And then Frank Schwindel, Frankie two hits. I don't know what else we have to say about the guy. I mean, he's only 27% rostered. 
He had three more hits ac- across the doubleheader. He's now batting 323 with a 960 OPS. I know he's not going to keep that up, but he's he's well, been really good for the Cubs, Scott. So um, your interest level, where should you add either of these guys? Ian Happ, Frank Schwindel. I'm not that interested in adding Happ, to be honest. I know his his August, the, the numbers are looking decent, um, but he's just been... They're not. They don't look good enough to erase all the, all the suffering he's caused this season to those who've invested in him. In my mind, Schwindel's a little more interesting. Right, it's right to be skeptical of a 29-year-old. I think he is, who hasn't gotten a chance in the majors before. But I always found him interesting, uh, for somebody who doesn't get that chance. And since returning to the majors, you mentioned his season numbers, Frank. But since returning to the majors. Um, on July 30th, Schwindel's batting 367 with four home runs. So he can he continues to he keeps he's keeping it going. He's keeping it going. The longer he keeps it going, the more interesting he becomes. I think in all roto leagues, somebody out there should probably be rostering Schwindel at this point. Yep. If you have a corner infielder, a utility bat in those deeper formats, uh, he is crushing lefties. He's got an OPS approaching 1,200 against lefties, an OPS just over 800 against righties. So, I mean, it's a stark difference, but he's holding his own against right-handed pitching, so it's it's not really that terrible for Frank Schwindel. Scott, I'm going to have you rank a few outfielders here, and uh, Jake Myers, who we've talked about quite a bit recently, he went two for five with a run in RBI. On Wednesday, he's now batting 316 with an 871 OPS. He's 17% rostered. And then Brandon Marsh, who we've also talked about quite a bit, Three for five, hit his first home run of the season. It helps that he's facing the Orioles, and their pitching is bad, and it's a good environment in Camden Yards. But he's batting 400 over his last 15 games, 22% rostered. Rank this group, Connor Joe, Ian Happ, Jake Myers, Brandon Marsh. I'll go Jake Myers first. I think think his best-case scenario is probably the best of all of them. And um, other than a strikeout rate, he's looked really good so far. I'll go Connor Joe second for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Obviously, taking a big chance on him retaining the playing time, but if he does, I think he'll have been worth the investment. Brandon Marsh, of course, is the highest profile of this group, but the strikeout rate has been awful. Yeah. And uh, most of his productions come just in the last two days. It combined seven hits between them, including his one and only home run since being called up. So I, I still need to see a lot more from him, I feel like. So, but he'd be third, and Ian Happ fourth. All right, Scott, I have random trivia. Are you ready? Oh, yes. And Let's it's, do it. It's baseball trivia, so it's not, it's not really random. It's not like... Oh, not I that random. Uh, I, I couldn't even think of like a random fun fact or anything. Anyway, Whit Merrifield hit a grand slam on Wednesday. Guess when the last time he hit a home run before this game was? Just give me a date. I think probably it was in June. I'm going to say June 11th. June 29th. It's been almost two months since Whit Merrifield has hit a home run. When I was scrolling through the game, I just kept scrolling and scrolling. I'm like, how how long ago was it this that he that he hit a home run? But he's running Don't a lot. Don't you hate? Don't you hate when like you're trying to impress somebody with a stat and yeah. they have you guess it and yeah. they overshoot the stat like yep. I just did? Yep, I sure do. <laughs> I sure do, Scott. And hopefully you don't do that for all these other ones, but <laughs> let's find out. Zach Plesag, I mentioned that I was holding it on to him this week because he's facing the Texas Rangers. What did he do? Five and two thirds, eight hits, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts. He stinks. I watched a lot of this start. He has nothing he has nothing the fastball velocity was down almost two miles per hour both the slider and curve were down almost three miles per hour in this start he cannot command his secondary pitches fastball is very hittable middle middle uh, he's he's bad Zach Plesak is bad but Scott the trivia for you is guess how many hard hit balls he allowed against the Texas Rangers in this start Okay, so we gave up eight hits. One was a home run. Hard hit balls, 95 plus miles per hour, right? Correct. Um, Nine. 14. Oh, I I went kind of low there on purpose. Oh my, 14 hard (laughs) hit balls. Man, he is still 88% rostered on CBS. 
And uh, he's got two starts next week at the Royals, at the Red Sox. I can't do it. I can't do it anywhere. I can't even do it in a points league, Scott. I can't. No. Not, you shut it. I no. was not with you in holding out for the Rangers <laughs> even. And you'll remember, I was the high guy on Plesak coming in. Really, I think I think my worst three calls this year are Dylan Bundy, Kinta Maeda, and Zach Plesak. Three pitchers who put up career numbers in a two-month season. Yep. And my bad call was to buy into it. So who 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 would have thunk it? Yeah, I who mean, would have known? That was um that was part of the the trickery of this season, right? Uh-huh. Was you know how much weight do we put on stats from last year? And you know some people lean into it a little bit more, i.e. yourself. And, and you know I I definitely did for some players as well. But yeah, it, it was it was yeah. definitely tough. Well, my Maeda is the one that bothers me the most because he was no kind of discount at all. You could argue Plesak and Bundy, if they were legit, were a discount. But yeah. Maeda, yeah, that that's the one that upsets me the most, actually. All right, the last two that I have here. Jared Walsh hit his 23rd home run. Guess the last time he hit a homer, Scott. He's been hurt for a while. Uh, I will say July 17th. Ooh, <laughs> I thought you had it. July 7th was the last time <laughs> Jared Walsh hit a home run. Uh, he's really, really slowed down. I don't. Do you need to drop Jared Walsh anywhere? I know his point per game average is pretty fringy and probably in a points league. You could afford to drop them. I, probably in an, any kind of head-to-head league with the smaller lineups, you can drop them, yeah. Categories, or, or Roto League specifically with the bigger lineups, not so much. All right, last one here. Luis Castillo was at the Brewers on Wednesday. Six and a third, two runs, six strikeouts. He had 18 swinging strikes on 101 pitches. He has a quality start in seven of his last eight. On May 29th, his ERA was 7.22. What is his ERA today, Scott? August 26th. 4.22. Oh, you know it. You knew it already? No, I didn't. Uh, it's, oh, I it's actually, it. it's 4.29. I thought I thought you actually oh. had it right. I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> you saw it already. But yeah, so he's at 4.29. Do you think he can get it below four by the end of the season? That Did would be, he at one point? Because he had that horrible start a few turns ago. I No, I don't think he ever got below four. I think it was, it was approaching that. It was in the low fours, but he didn't get it below four. And it, I mean... For someone to have a 7.22 ERA on May 29th, if that if that pitcher can get below four by the end of the season, that is yeah, a specifically a starting pitcher that that is a, a really a really strong feat. It's uh, it's low point was 4.09 this yeah. year. I'm gonna say he will not. I agree, but with you. I I think it will be lower than the 4.29 it is now. Yeah, I think I moved them inside my top. 13 or top 12 starting pitchers. He's right around there, and he deserves to be. Since the start of June, he's he's looked a lot like Luis Castillo. I do want to just quickly hit some of these uh, early starters sit for next week. Tarek Skubal, five innings, two runs, 10 strikeouts on Wednesday. He is up against the Oakland A's next week. Would you feel comfortable starting Tarek Skubal there? I'd rather not. I'd rather not. This was kind of... I know the previous couple starts were good, but not with a lot of strikeouts or whiffs. So that was kind of an outlier as far as that goes. And the Cardinals matchup was a favorable one. I, I think against Oakland, I'd rather, I'd, I'd try to avoid Scooble. Austin Gomber now has a 7.40 ERA in five August starts, but he is at Texas next week. Oh man. <laughs> Would you start him? I mean, he was at the Cubs this week. That's a triple A lineup right now. Exactly. Now, the the walks had returned the previous two outings. That wasn't the problem in this one against the Cubs. He just he, he just got hit hard. Yep. Um, so, I, I don't know. He's he's looking... He doesn't look right. He doesn't look right, and I think I would... I, I probably wouldn't start him at Texas, and that's one of those... That's one of those where I feel like maybe I'm not being rational. Maybe I'm just kind of knee-jerk. Ah, he's been hurting me lately. I'm going to bench him. But nonetheless, that that's my feeling. I, I, look, if he if you can't start him against at Texas, then you could probably drop Austin Gomber for one of the most added starting pitchers, Daniel Lynch, Nestor Cortez. Would you make that swap? Uh, Cortez for Cortez, yeah, I think I would. This late in this now, if this was, if this was happening in June, I'd say stick it out longer with Gomber. He's had a good yeah. year. Probably just a rough patch, but this late in the season, it, it might be difficult for him to regain my trust. 
Taiwan Walker turned in a quality start. I know he's been pretty meh recently, but looks like he's in line for two starts next week against the Marlins and Nationals. Will you be okay starting Taiwan Walker there? For the two starts, yeah, I guess I'd have to consider him a sleeper, but probably just for points leagues. I I still don't feel good about him overall. His XFIP, I think this is the first time I've cited XFIP this episode, is 451. It's not great. <laughs> not, not great, great for not Tyler great Walker. Uh, last one here. Herman Marquez has a 6.05 ERA over his last seven starts. Two starts next week. One at home against the Braves in Coors Field, and then one at the Texas Rangers. Points league only start. Points league only for Herman Marquez. There was some deeper league players. The only one I really want to ask you about is Bryce Wilson. He went five shutout against the Diamondbacks with seven strikeouts. 3.60 ERA and four starts with the Pirates. He's 5% rostered, and it looks like he's at the White Sox and at the Cubs next week. Deeper leagues only, but Bryce Wilson's been he's been kind of good with the Pirates. Yeah, I got a ton of whiffs in this start. Yeah. A ton of swinging strikes. Um, I've noticed the Pirates have kind of let him go four-pitch arsenal when the, he was pretty much a two-pitch guy with the Braves. So, I, you know, I'm not ready to pick him up, but good minor league track record. He, he may, they may unlock something. The Pirates may unlock something for Bryce Wilson. Gosh, I forgot. I actually wanted to do Bailey Ober as my, oh my goodness gracious player. And now we're an hour in and, and we haven't talked about Bailey Ober, but I'll quickly mention him. He went five shutout against the Red Sox with seven strikeouts and his slider velocity remained up about three and a half miles per hour. Something he talked about his last start where he's consciously doing that. It's like a, a tighter spin. It's more of like a cutter now than a slider, but Bailey Ober has been pretty good since being recalled and 14% rostered at the Tigers at the Rays next week. I'm I'm kind of interested in Bailey Ober. What do you think? Uh, it would have to be a really deep league for me. It's a high fly ball guy, low swinging strike rate guy. Okay. Um, there may be something there, but it, it I'm not ready to cast you know to 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 put to throw myself behind that. I I do want to mention since you have him here in the notes. And I know we're running out of time, but Yadiel, Yadiel Hernandez, outfielder for the uh, Nationals. Old guy, he's already in his 30s, but a rookie. Spent a lot of time in Cuba and um, is taken over in the outfield following the, you know, following some of the trades they made. And he looks, he looks like he could be of some use. And even in, even in some shallower leagues, he makes, a lot of contact, hits a lot of line drives, a good profile for batting average with enough power to make it hold up. It feels a lot like Alex Verdugo to me, the profile uh, from from basically a no-name who's only rostered in 8% of leagues. So Yadiel Hernandez yep, is he, the name. He's batting 302 with an 836 OPS. I'm actually starting him in a 15-team Roto League, five outfielders. I was starting him and Josh Bell, and they went back-to-back, so... That was pretty fun to see. The call to the pens and bullpen updates for the Cardinals. Alex Reyes gave up a run in the ninth. He took his third blown save. He's got an ERA of six in August. Hold on, but a bit of a rough stretch here. For the Royals, Scott Barlow entered in the eighth with runners on first and second. He gave up a hit and took his sixth blown save. For the Cubs, they have four saves since trading away Craig Kimbrell. They have all been by different relievers. This time, <laughs> it was Adam Morgan, so... Closer by committee on the one of the worst teams in baseball. No thanks. For Tampa Bay, Colin McHugh was used in the eighth inning. He gave up a solo home run, which tied the game, came back out for the ninth once they took the lead, and he winds up with the win. For the Giants, Jake McGee got his 29th save. The Nationals, Kyle Finnegan, gave up a walk-off RBI single in the 10th. The Rockies, man, Daniel Bard is just, he's in a free fall right now. In for the save, he gave up a three-run homer, in Wrigley, wasn't even in Coors Field. It was his eighth blown save. The ERA is up to 5.19. The next man up, I believe, is Carlos Estevez, who consistently pitches in the eighth. I just don't think he's very good either, Scott. So, do you think we see a change for the Rockies? I mean, they they rode out Bar during a very rough stretch, I believe, in May. Sure where did. it seemed like they had to they had to make a change and they didn't. So I just I don't I don't know that they care enough to make a change to be honest. <laughs> that's that's definitely fair. For the Diamondbacks, Tyler Clippard got his fifth save. He's only nineteen percent rostered, so 
the Diamondbacks are not going to win a lot of games, but Clippard is unquestionably their closer. So if you play yep. in a categories league, he's he's one to look at. The Twins, Alex Colome entered with a two-run lead, quickly gave up a two-run homer to Kyle Schwarber. And then on the other side, Hansel Robles, we said, all right, maybe watch him, see what happens, you know, because... Um, Who's the name? Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes has been struggling recently. Uh, Hansel Robles then gave up five runs in extra innings, so he's not very good. To stream or not to stream for Thursday, Brad Keller at the Mariners, Eliezer Hernandez versus the Nationals, Patrick Corbin at the Marlins, Miles Michaelis at the Pirates, Brett Anderson versus the Reds, and John Gant at the Red Sox. I mentioned yesterday I like Brad Keller. I like Eliezer Hernandez. Uh, Miles Michaelis at Pittsburgh and Patrick Corbin at Miami aren't bad either, but they're a little too risky for me. For Friday, Chris Bubich at the Mariners, Jake Odorizzi at the Rangers, Jay Happ at the Pirates, Michael Waka at the Orioles, Rich Hill versus the Nationals, Paolo Espino at the Mets. I don't really want to do any of these. Uh, if you're forcing me to pick two, I will go... I will go Waka at the Orioles and Bubich at Seattle. <laughs> I was thinking Odorizzi and J-Hap, so that tells you where we're at. I mean, none of these pitchers are great, but yeah. there's some there's some okay matchups. You know what's hilarious? On the rundown, I have team name Thursday here. Well, I'll read your team names. I wrote in parentheses, get here by 55 minutes, no later. Good job, Frank. From Justin, I apologize if I ruin your name here, Tortorese. On Twitter, my daughter wants to submit Mookie Monster for Team Name Tuesday. Not bad. Not bad. And then it turns out Justin also emailed in a much longer one. This is more like, I don't know, a paragraph, a, a poem. I, I don't. It's from something. It's kind of long. I'm sorry, Frank, if you don't get it. Scott and Chris will. All right, so there's a lot of pressure on you right now. Cassandra, she's a fox. In Thai France, she would be called La Arenado, and she would be hunted with only her Bobby Witt to protect her. She's a Babe Ruth. She's a Roto Babe Ruth. In Latin, she would be called Babia Machado. If she were a ball player, she would be Babraham Toro. If she lived in the Cretaceous, she'd be a Babasaurus Rex Brothers. Schwindel! Do you have any idea what this is? Because I have no idea. Uh, by the Schwindel exclamation mark at the end, I suspect it's a reference to um, Wayne's World. Schwing. Yeah. Is that a, I, I mean, yeah. No, that that was, was something Wayne and Garth would say in unison. I, they I were talking about a babe. I know Wayne's World. I know what it is. I haven't seen the movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not that great, but it's you no know, surprise. It, it, it had a moment. It had a moment. I mean, they're cult classics, right? So I, I guess yeah. I should watch them at some point. From Colin, no Adamus Gway. I think uh, okay. This is supposed to be no Mamas Gway, which ah, uh, Chris would have gotten it. Yeah, I think Chris would have gotten it. And a bonus: she sells seashell by the seashore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. From, from Vinny. The Wong Minter. From oh, like the long winter. The okay. long winter, yeah. All yeah. arise for the judge. Oh, okay. The Wong, the Wong and the Winding Rodan. <laughs> it's pretty good. Okay, sure. Adolis like to see it. Am I reading that correctly? Adolis like to see it? I don't get it. Called up from Class A ball. It's a good one. Ah, uh, yeah. And then Framber Waves of Grain. That's, yeah, we haven't heard that one before. That's pretty good. Pretty good. From Jason, Dear Apollo, Starbuck, and Boomer. I don't know. I think it's, uh, I looked it up earlier. I think it's like Battlestar Galactica or something. Team name Tuesday, Admiral Willie Adamus. Okay. It's probably also related to Battlestar Galactica. Two more here from Patrick. Sosa Distance. Like go the distance? No, I, I, I interpreted it as social distance. So oh, oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Sammy Sosa. Okay. Last one from Terry. A ring of Rosarena. A ring of Rosarena pocket full of posy. <laughs> That's a mouthful. That, that works with two. No, I think it works. That's very good. Works with two names. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 